Oh. M. Mom! Hi guys, welcome back to Give It To Me Straight, where a fuck me pump is a one-inch kitten heel. Joining me on the show today is a self-proclaimed heavyweight champ of season 15, Miss Mistress Isabel Brooks. I showed out tonight. Look, I'm wearing a crop. I would show the girls, but, you know, I'm kind of trying to keep it professional. You gotta say something for later. You gotta keep them wanting more. They can go see a drag con. See. Let's get to the fantasy, though. Are you feeling the ruffle coat? Like, I feel like we're in full pageantry. I am. I feel like a beautiful shower loofah. I'm here for it. We look like we're in, like, the cheap $1 bin at Target. Like, the shower loofahs. You do. I'm giving, like, Bed Bath & Beyond. Like, I'm, I'm, like, $20 loofah. You do look beyond, for sure. So you started drag in about 2015 when you were about 16 years old. How did you get started into drag? Well, I always have a story like this. Whenever I found out about Drag Race, Tumblr was really popular. So one of my online friends sent me like a gif of like a Drag Race reaction. Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh my God, you have to check out the show. And that's kind of how I found out about drag. But weirdly enough, at that time, like Drag Race wasn't super duper popular. Mm -hmm. So like I just searched drag as a whole and I found out about like my local drag scene. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, once I found out about drag, it just kind of took off. Do you think your drag would be different if you had found about Drag Race VH1 days versus Logo days? Uh, yeah, I probably wouldn't appreciate traditional drag as much. Mm -hmm. I feel like I would have been more so kind of like luck to like quote drag non like drag race mm -hmm. and like someone who's really like only like outlook on drag is Drag Race, mm -hmm. which is why I'm very happy like everything played out as it did. Had you had found drag like five years later, you'd be wearing a flat human unit and no pads right now. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I'll probably be doing Ariana Grande on the show every day. <laughs> Which I always say it's cool for those girls. Like, I, I really love all types of drag. Mm -hmm. And for some girls, it really, really works. But for me, I mean, someone has to keep the high board drag alive. Yeah, it's just the timing of everything. The Lord works in mysterious ways. Hello. Was Mistress Isabel always the drag name? Yeah, so when I first started, I, I actually wish I would have just stuck with Mistress. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the most annoying things when I first got on Drag Race. Before we were announced, you know, everyone speculates, talks about y'all, and everyone can call me Isabel. And mm -hmm. I was like, I cannot wait for the notice to call me Mistress. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the name has always been Mistress. I, I wanted to be Mistress Mariah. I like, I love Mariah Carey. Mm -hmm. like, I feel like Mariah is so put, mm -hmm. but Mistress Isabel, because like, my boy name is Israel. Isabel's kind of like, you know, the feminization. I feel like Mistress Isabel Brooks has a good cadence to it, though. I feel like Mistress Mariah Brooks doesn't like roll off the tongue as well. Uh, so, I mean, you know, again, the Lord. Being a part of like the Brooks dynasty and by extension, the Davenport dynasty, did you feel that pressure when you were on Drag Race? Did it motivate you or did it kind of weigh on you, like having to represent that name? You know, I, and I always tell people this, and I feel like they don't believe me. When I went to Drag Race, I looked at it as if I was just doing a regular pageant. Like mm -hmm. I never took any consideration that we're being filmed which is a double-edged sword. I think I acted a damn fool. But, you know, being a part of my drag family, you automatically, you know, so like, let's say you're on a show somewhere, like even in Arkansas. If I was watching a show in, in Arkansas and I, I see a bitch wearing black sleeves or thigh highs and her last name is Davenport, you know she's about to throw down. You know what I mean? So I kind of feel like you always have that level to uphold. And I've already been read down by Flex Davenport every pageant I've ever done. She's the only bitch that's ever made me cry real tears right before I go out for evening gown. Mm -hmm. So, like, I've already been read down. So, like, I feel like <laughs> being attacked by that monster already kind of prepares you. Like, what could anyone else say? So, you're you like, know. if I can handle Calexis and Chevelle, I can handle the 14 year olds on Twitter. Literally. Yeah. That part. <laughs> like, you have no idea. You're in a, like, a $5,000 Beagle Bead gown, and your drag grandma comes up to you and goes, Bitch, you look a fucking mess. Mm -hmm. The gown is too short. You look fat as fuck. Mm -hmm. I mean, not to me, but to other girls. But, you know, she gets the girls together. 
<laughs> used to crying in a Christina Ross gown. No, literally. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. But speaking of family, you're also a proud mother yourself. Is it hard being a single mother with two kids? It is, which is why even though they cheated me out of being Miss Congeniality and gave it to my baby's father, Malaysia, baby mm-hmm. Fox, I kind of had to make up with her so that she could father my children because being a single mom was just not I'm glad you found someone to co-parent with. Is it like visitation or co-parenting? How was that? We live together and like she'll deal with them when she needs to. And they know to always call me mother. Does Calexis and Chevelle accept the twins as part of like the dynasty as well? Or is it just kind of a toleration? Listen, Chevelle and Calexis are obsessed with the twins. They they think they are so fucking funny because (laughs) if anyone knows Calexis Davenport, you know she is a rotted bitch. She loves to cut up and she sees that in the twins. The twins are so funny. I think that's why we all love the twins so much is they're always just there to have a good time. Mm-hmm. And um, Chevelle, hmm, I'll give you the exclusive. The twins and I are going on a family tour this November with Malaysia. And Chevelle's going to be hosting the tour. So it's going to be a really big family affair. So mm-hmm. it's going to be real sick. But come on and see the, the dynamic for yourself. Is, is that the main lineup of the tour? Is there going to be like some other Davenports jumping in? Or like, or is it tentative right now? Okay, so right now the way things are shaping up is the tour will be the twins, myself, Malaysia, with Chevelle hosting, and we're gonna have celebrity guests every stop. Yeah, I, I don't want to say any names. I don't want to jinx it, but mm-hmm. we have some rappers, some influencers, some TV superstars. Like we have a really good lineup mm-hmm. because with us making the tour and like producing it ourselves, we wanted to make sure it was mm-hmm. different from any other like drag tour, like work the world, and yeah. stuff like that. And of course, we take into consideration the twins are not necessarily traditional drag performers, so we wanted to really cater to, to both aspects. Mm-hmm. Drag. It's like whenever you say like rappers and celebrities and stuff, is it like big names or is it like whenever you watch some episodes of The Masked Singer and it's like, who the fuck is that? You won't have to Google these people. No, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's good. That's good. I, I feel like you do emulate like the, you know, the Davenport and like the Brooks name in like your drag because it is very traditional. In a world where drag is like an art form that's ever evolving, why do you feel like it's important to emulate traditional drag? Um, I think that traditional drag, if you, I think people have this this kind of weird perspective that traditional drag is only like being in fully sequined gowns and doing like Whitney Houston on the show. But I think if they actually researched and like found out what it means to do drag, especially like in the 90s and the 80s, you'll see people who, I mean, there's been all types of queens all throughout the history of drag. Like one of my favorite queens is Tasha Cole, who's like an amazing alternative pageant queen. Like, I mean, some crazy shit. So, like, I think that, for me, keeping traditional drag alive is just keeping kind of Texas drag alive. I mean, I'm very proud to be from my hometown, Houston, Texas. We have so many big names, Beyonce, Lizzo, Megan Thee Stallion, and Mistress Isabel Brooks. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I actually was with Tasha Cole a few months ago, and I was begging her to audition. And she said, maybe soon. So, I I hope that she gets on, because Tasha Cole is a fucking sickening drag Mm -hmm. queen. And she said she's the originator of pads. I don't know if that's true, but I believe it. Someone had to have made that. Yeah. I can't imagine how rough the first pads were, though. They probably look like Roblox characters on the hips, but... Speaking of Roblox, maybe we should do a Roblox meet and greet. Have you ever, have you ever played Roblox? You know, this is, like, this is why I feel like you're the bridge between worlds, because you bridge the gap between that older, traditional 80s drag and also, like, the young kids, like, Roblox and stuff. You really are, like, the glue that holds it all together, Listen, I feel. I did a Roblox meeting greet, and some of the team from actual Roblox reached out to me doing, like, a big event. So mm. maybe I'll be sponsored by Roblox very soon. You know, if, if Club Penguin was still around... That would be your gig. Yeah, I'm more of a Club Penguin kind of person. But yeah, I'll give it a try. If, if someone teaches me, like, I'm not old, but I'm approaching 30, so I haven't figured out Roblox. So, But once I, you know, a couple Google searches, I'll see you there. <laughs> 
So what would you say drag is for you? Would you say Mistress Isabel Brooks is like a projection of the person you want to be? Or is it more of a Juelipus remix of the person you already are? So I always say the line is kind of blurred because I've been doing drag for a long time and drag has always been my career and how I like to make a living. And you know, like when something is your means of, of making a living, it kind of becomes work. And that's the thing with being on Drag Race kind of like re-inspired me and like kind of like refreshed my drag. And for me, I feel like I've done it for so long that Mistress has kind of merged into my life as a boy. And you know, like I'm sure you can relate when you go out with people, people you meet at the club, friends, I'm sure everyone calls you Maddie. Mm-hmm. Like everyone calls me Mistress. So at some point you start to feel like you are your drag persona. I always say like when I first started, Mistress was who I wanted to be and like it, it made me more outgoing and made me like develop these relationships with people. But doing drag so much has also taught me so many life lessons and like kind of made me into the person I am and the man I am today. So like I kind of mm. feel like at this point they're kind of merged and like I always say Mistress is like a heightened version. So for the younger people that do want to get started into drag and are really interested in traditional drag, what would you say is a good starting point for them to like look into or research? So when I first found out about drag, I would look everything up on YouTube and there's so many things on YouTube now. You can literally look at like Miss Gay USA 1990 if you wanted to like, so just go and do your research. I think that people make the common mistake that thinking that traditional drag relates to pageantry and it's always like coinciding with each other, but Mm. that's not necessarily true. I think that if you want to see good traditional dragon, you're really inspired by that. But in places like Texas or Florida and mm. just kind of like indulge and just go in. Like, yeah. I mean, I also feel like friend any of these old hoes on Facebook because they be sharing their pictures from 1990s. It'd be their profile picture with the face app on top catfishing mm-hmm. down. So yeah. Find you a good old gal like Dina Cass or <laughs> Coco Montrees. Yeah. But you are not the first rude girl from Texas, but you are the very first rude girl from Houston. Yeah. Why do you think production is sleeping on Houston drag so much? And do you think you deserve the, to be the first Houston girl? I don't think that production is sleeping on Houston drag. So here's the thing. Houston, Texas drag is very, very traditional. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our queens are older and they've been doing drag for 20, 30 years. And they're, they're, we have a lot of trans showgirls, a lot of drag queens who are women in the day. So I feel like they don't necessarily feel like they have a space or they have a fit in the whole drag race stratosphere, which is why I think it's so important that we have people like Sasha Colby who not only represents like the trans community, but also like the legends, because mm-hmm. that's a lot of what we have in Texas. You know, on a normal show on the weekend before I was on Drag Race, I worked with people like Tommy Ross, Chabelle Brooks, like these big names who like, I mean, travel everywhere. So I feel like the girls in Texas, especially in Houston, are already established and kind of don't feel like they even need to bother with that because, I mean, you know, too, like also so many girls that they're so grand, they don't want to audition for the show. And, mm-hmm. I think it's too good. I mean, that's just the truth. Mm-hmm. And I think that Houston's a really big melting pot right now. We have like our drag teams on the up and up, but we have a lot of girls who um, definitely have the potential. But mm-hmm. I think that it's a little more work. But I think that everyone has also shown me so much love in my hometown. And I agree that, yeah, I think it was right that I was the first girl to represent Houston on mm-hmm. Drag Race because. I mean, I feel like I did my job. Who do you think is going to be the second? And why do you think it's Blackberry? I, I was literally about to say, I would love to see my girl Blackberry. We need a bearded queen. It's too long. I think that Blackberry, I'd be forgetting my sister has a beard. She'd like be so painted and wear a beard just like this. And I think Blackberry is the perfect embodiment of traditional drag, mm-hmm. along with like a new school twist. Mm-hmm. I think that Blackberry is a great representation of Houston. And I'm always cheering my bitch on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we have a lot of we have a lot of girls in Houston I would love to see. I'm not going to name drop any unless they drop me that coin. That, that's fair. That's valid. Yeah. <laughs> you don't do local stuff anymore. No. 
Two book, two book. She has, a, she has a blue check mark now, so she, you know. For now. Put some blue check mark respect on her name. <laughs> Recently, you made a diss track towards Bob, single handedly destroying her career. Well, almost. Fortunately, she still has Monet to lean back on, so she is not completely out of work. But on top of being pugnacious with the girls, mm-hmm. as well as being talented, can we expect more diss tracks in the future, you think? Ooh, I was telling Bob I would love to collaborate. Maybe I'll do some music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the whole thing with Bob, I just had to really come and clock her because I am a part of the Monation. And I don't appreciate how she gaslights Monet. This mm. man, this woman, whatever this is, it's just clownery. It really is. And like, it's offensive to girls like me. Mm-hmm. She plays in my profession. This girl, Bob the Drag Queen, she needs to change her name. Right? She's just unqualified. Mm-hmm. I don't appreciate the way she treats girls like me, girls like you. Like, it's just crazy. So I, I had to get her together. I'm, I'm glad someone's finally standing up. So we appreciate you. Us little people, we appreciate you. I feel like you were a key character on your season. And you provided like a lot of good TV. So with that, I feel like your NDA gets an asterisk next to it. So what are some things that we didn't get to see on the season that you wish we did? Ooh. Okay, this you could thing. tread this as carefully as you need to, but preferably not at all. Oh, baby, the NDA is not existent. Because look, I'll say this. And let me preface with this. I have the best interest of Drag Race in my mind. I love the show. I'm so grateful for the platform they've given us. So I really don't have like a lot of horror stories that some of the girls do. But with that being said, I know a lot of girls complain about like the 40 minutes of the show being cut at first. Mm-hmm. But I could never complain because kind of like you said, I always was the main character of every episode. And there was sometimes I was like, girl, they didn't have to keep that shit in. But I mean, I feel like I got to see a majority of it. I think the only things they kind of cut out sometimes was like Rue over praising me. Mm-hmm. I mean, like kind of like with the reunion, I got to see clips from Daytona wins. Mm-hmm. Like I remember that day Rue was just like, everybody stop and look at her. This is a star. And I was like, Like just little moments mm-hmm. like that, and like I, I, I mean, I imagine like as such a humble person, that was probably a lot for you. You're like, please stop, don't. You know, if, if people are not gonna believe me, but I really don't like to like. Not that everyone likes to receive praise, and of course, I get those good coming from Rue. Mm-hmm. But especially that day, I feel like everyone was kind of fucking up. But I remember I was just like, mm-hmm. kind of awkward. But you also come from a dynasty of queens that tell you like you're shit, you'll never be shit until you are not shit and so it's a very different whenever someone's just showering you with praise so yeah I, I mean a lot of the moments like i said y'all got to see so much of me i think that you know i'm kind of glad for what they get cut out mm-hmm. i feel like <laughs> they showed a lot of grace to all the girls with the head, I feel mm-hmm. like that's why i was kind of shocked that everyone would complain so much because i think they showed did a great job of like painting a majority of us in, in the light that it was yeah perceived in actuality I love my Drag Race family, and we would both like to be on All Stars. <laughs> <laughs> or Madagascar versus the world, just anything. Please, throw us a bone. On top of your performances and your drag, you're also known for having very sticky fingers. You stole a few things from set, including, like one of our season 14 sisters, a piece of the workroom wall. But now that the season's over, what would you say is the most valuable or interesting thing that you stole from set? Okay, I'm probably going to get my ass in so much trouble. So the day we left, the, the last day we filmed, I remember when I when I left the the um, stage after my lipstick with Anitra, it was like, okay, it's a wrap on the season. And I remember all the production lined up and like shaking my hand. They're like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Like we love you. Like you did a great job. And you know, girl, was at that moment I was over. I just got that lipstick. Like, mm. Fuck y'all! I don't really give a fuck. The show ain't shit. But then like when um, when everyone lined up, so we had a great time. I was like, giving my kisses. 
And I remember on the table, they had this laminated picture and it's a picture of all the cast one by one. And it has them out of drag and them in drag with their name. And they give it to people on set so they could recognize us and out of drag. Mm-hmm. And I remember I stole it. And that was like, it was literally the whole cast. So when I got home, my friends were like, how, how was everything at the show? I was like, girl, look at these bitches. And it was like everyone's pictures, everyone's name. Do you have it framed up still? I, I have it at my house. And I remember, the whole, I, so <laughs> when Chevelle picked me up after uh, after filming, we had went to eat at Cheesecake Factory. Mm-hmm. And I had to think, I was going to talk about everybody and, and show our pictures. And I left it at the restaurant. And I was just like, oh my God, if someone found that, like the list, that would have been so funny. So, so you don't have it anymore? Like it's gone. Oh, oh, you have back and got it. Okay, okay. I, I don't ask for much, but if you could please, when you do inevitably kickstart your YouTube career, please have that in the background of your vlogs and stuff. Just uh, like a small little treat, just for like the audience. Okay, you know? I was thinking, because like, I don't think that y'all understand how much stuff I stole. I was thinking I might do a video showcasing everything I took mm. on set. Call it a haul. Uh, a haul. A haul. But I feel that you have to steal to support your lavish lifestyle because you claim that you spent over $100,000 on your Drag Race package. 40000 of that just for the finale. Uh, However, we didn't get to see most of that package. Do you want to talk about it? I'm in my therapist era. How did, uh, how did it feel only getting to showcase some of the $40,000 package? Oh, my finale package? Mm-hmm. I mean, it is what it is. I think that as someone, because like, you've done pageants before as well, like, mm-hmm. I mean, people at home don't realize how much it costs to compete. And this is the one thing, too. It makes me uncomfortable that people are discussing my finances because mm-hmm. when I said that online, when I was on live with, with Lux and them, it wasn't like, it, it, it just came out. I mean, it's just what it is. Mm-hmm. I feel like people don't realize how much money goes into drag. And it's not that I was rich or I had a bunch of money. I mean, of course, I worked my ass off to pay for everything. Mm-hmm. But, like, even my runways, like, people are like, how did you spend $60,000? Y'all don't realize when you go to drag race, you have only a few weeks. So everything you're getting, imagine paying rush shipping on everything. You know how expensive it is to even ship mm-hmm. a costume overnight? Sometimes it could be, like, $1,000, $700, you know how big it is. And, like, for instance, my first runway and my last runway were both fully beaded custom things. Mm-hmm. To get something beaded is thousands and thousands of dollars. So I think the fans don't really realize how much money goes into it. But when you look at the package as a whole, like, my time on Drag Race, even wanting to win Drag Race, it was never about the money. It's about my legacy because mm-hmm. this is going to live on beyond me. When I quit drag, when I die, when I move on, when I peace out, this is going to always mm-hmm. be forever. So that's what matters to me the most. So... Yeah. I literally spent every dollar I ever had to go to Drag Race. I borrowed from people. My local, my home bar um, sponsored me. So, like, a lot went into it. Uh, with the finale stuff, I mean, you'll see it one day. Come see me on Work the World. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like you said, like, it's just leaving behind a legacy. Because, like, whenever people look back 15 years from now, when people are watching your season back on, like, Roku TV or wherever the fuck it gets sold to. Zeus. Yeah, on Zeus. Like, they're, they're going to look back and be like, that was a good runway package. Like, yeah. she's broken, you know, doing $50 bookings again, but she looks sickening uh, that yeah. year. She looked good. She looked good. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like I definitely had some of the best runways on my season. I think mm-hmm. that me, Sasha, Luck definitely held it down. But finances isn't your only struggle that you experience in drag. Do you think that most of the discrimination that you received, including, like, the hate messages and having your Instagram clo- shut down, do you think most of that stems because you are a plus-size queen or it's because you're a huge fucking cunt? I think both. And, like, I, I think that that was one of the most shocking things about doing Drag Race because, kind of like I said, like, I'm kind of glad I had this, like, pessimistic approach to it because mm-hmm. I remember the month before it was announced that I was on Drag Race, everyone was like, 
oh my God, your life's about to change, blah, 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 blah. And I never really felt that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of would, I'm a, I'm a see it and believe it type of person. In regards to being plus size, I don't think people realize how much more money it is to even get something made, how certain designers don't work with you, mm-hmm. how literally if you were to get an outfit and I would get the same outfit, it would probably be double the cost for yeah. materials and for just them making it. People also have this weird thing that because you're a rude girl, you're rich. So my promo outfit, so I love to discuss finances, was like, I remember it was like, ugh, like $10,000 for the Osh Feather Co. And it was like a liquid satin thing. And I remember I was like, oh, I'm going to splurge because it's my debut. Like, I'm about to kill it. Like, it's going to be amazing. And then as soon as the promo dropped, oh, my God, Eureka. Like, Pat, that's like Eureka. Mm-hmm. Like, all the fans just, like, ruined the promo for me. Because I remember, like, girls like Silky and Eureka kind of prepped us. They were like, look, like, it don't matter. It's going to be different for y'all because of our plus size. Like, that's mm-hmm. just the truth. And, like, people, like, Drag Race fan base has this weird, like, perception of people. And you're always going to be the villain. And people are going to think this of you. And it's never going to be fair. And I remember in my head, I was like, like, well, that's just them. It's going to be different for me. And when it happened, I was like, oop, I've got teeth. <laughs> so it, it's a weird thing. And, like, it's been a journey to get that throughout this whole experience. Mm-hmm. Because, like, it is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can't change it. It doesn't suck to say like that. But I've also come to realize, and, like, this is the thing why I never take all that too serious. And, like, I think a lot of my friends, too, like, I'll be out. People give me compliments. Or people say X, Y, and Z. And, like, it means a lot to me. And I love the support. Also, I'll never let someone's words mean that much to me because mm. when you accept these compliments and when you accept all these like nuances from people, you also have to accept the negative that comes with it. I don't think anyone's in a position to know what I'm worth or what I what I do. Mm. At the end of the day, I know what I do. So let's talk pageantry. Oh. So I don't know if you realize in 2019, before competing for USA at large, you can you started a prelim for a USA newcomer, but you didn't compete for the national pageant. But if you had, you would have competed against me. Because yeah. I competed that year. I think I saw you did like a drumming talent, right? I did, yeah. So why did you switch from Newcomer to USA at Large? Okay, so when I did Newcomer, I had already been doing drag for quite some time and I've been doing it professionally. And I always grew up backstaging people at pageants. I would paint people. People would pay me to travel with them and I would get mm-hmm. them dressed. So when I went to Newcomer, I literally all my critiques were like, you're too good to be here. You're, you're already like, you should just go to the next. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to do regular US of A, but then in my mind I was like they would never let me win US of A unless I went to US of A at large because it's always gonna be the critique of like oh win at large first, mm-hmm. which it kind of was. You didn't get to compete with me, a future Rue girl, but you did compete with Stacey Lane Matthews. Mm-hmm. What, how, how did it feel? Did that affect you at all? Just knowing that like a Rue girl in the competition, or were you like starstruck at all in that moment? When I competed against Stacey, that was such an eye-opening experience, like with all the girls, because I remember when I went from newcomer. You know, in USA Newcomer, everyone's doing Disco Inferno, get on the back-to-back-to-back bra mm-hmm. and get it splitting. So I remember in my head, I was like, oh, I'm about to go to USA at large. I don't even need no dancers. I'm about to just put on this French dance costume, and I'm about to twirl and eat the girls up. So when I went to USA at large, those girls had completely tapped my ass. Like, they had, like, bored me up. And that's what inspired me to want to go back, and that's what really I was like, oh, the girls ain't playing. Mm-hmm. Like, it was a really humbling experience, but it really, like, ignited the passion for me. You say it lit a fire under your ass? Most definitely. <laughs> yeah, USA at large, it was a very humbling experience because you said in a Facebook post in 2019, raising funds for your pageant, that you wanted to be the youngest national title holder. But despite that, you placed 16th out of 20. How did it feel in that moment when you didn't make final night? Oh, honestly, I was so happy. I genuinely was so happy. <laughs> Not even being funny, I was literally so happy. Because I'm telling you, that first night I went, and, like, I remember, like, even collecting them, like, if you would have did this pageant newcomer, it would have ate. But, like, here, it was just cool. 
And like for me, when I went to USA at large, I knew I was not going to win my first mm-hmm. year. I kind of had, that's why I didn't put too much money into it when I went to uh, mm-hmm. Bottle Night and everything like that and a national pageant because I feel like a lot of girls would say this to our pageant queens, but like it's not your time yet. You got to put the work in for it. And I feel like I just wanted to go and experience it and see what it was about at first. Mm-hmm. So like I kind of knew that it wasn't going to be like a winning thing. But I kind of was shocked that it went uh, make it to the, the final night mm-hmm. because um, I'm always winning every, every pageant I do. I was going to ask you what went wrong at the national competition, but I know because I saw the score sheet. So your gown was good. Uh-huh. Talent they didn't love. And it actually was interview that cost you a lot of points. You scored a 41 out of 60. What went wrong? Where do you think, what do you think it all crumbled? Uh, because I, when I, like I told you, when I got there, I was like, oh, stop. <laughs> you know, no, literally when I got there, I was like, oh, the girls are playing. Mm-hmm. It's like, I was already in my head. And actually it's so funny because that interview, I don't want to say who judged me. Oh, I'm sure you can see. But the girls who were judging me when I said in my interview, I was like, oh yeah, like, this is what I'm about, this is what I do. Like I've done drag at and like I want to do this and that. And they were just like, Oh, if you want to be the youngest national title holder, then name us 10 formers that you like. And it was like, not not that question exactly, but they mm. were just like really trying to get me together. Why you do newcomer? They don't uh, ask you questions like that. Oh, no, no. But looking back on it, I was like, they probably thought I was hot. They probably thought that I thought I was hot shit. They're like, we're about to get her together. Mm-hmm. Like I was, like I said, I remember this question specifically. They were like, uh, why do you want to do US of a large? And I was like, oh, well, like, I want to be one of the youngest US of a large like, title holders. Like, I feel like I could, but I'd be like, fine, Z. And they're like, oh, so... Can you name us the three youngest people who've competed in USA at large? And I remember in my head, I was like, how the fuck would you even know that? Like, I remember I was like, girl, what? Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of Drag Race girls after Drag Race go back to pageantry and try to like, you know, reclaim the former glory or just like unfinished business, if you will. Mm-hmm. Do you have plans to go back to pageantry at some point? Or is it right now? Is it just like a, you're just focusing on you right now? No, I, I don't think I would go back to pageantry. I think no? especially like when you get this platform, like I think people have like a uh, like preconceived notion about you and they mm-hmm. think, you know, like, what you're about and what you do and like if i were to compete i think it'll be more so for like like employment myself um i think people especially if i were to compete for something it's a lot to rain and like to do things how you want to do it so mm-hmm. at this moment in time i'm really not interested but maybe in the future mm-hmm. i'm very chaotic so my mind always changes yeah and you're known to be a liar so you never know you know you never so, know so we'll see had irene before you had me no, 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 no. Selena's. I had Selena. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but now that you are a world-renowned drag artist, you're doing a lot of like like promotional stuff, doing like podcasts, this and that. If you had to have one sponsorship, what would it be and why is it Raising Canes? Oh, so you've done your research. Mm-hmm. My my dream sponsorship I used to say was grinding. That, that might be in the work. So we'll, mm-hmm. we'll we'll keep them in the background. I feel like you're more of a plenty of fish kind of girl anyway. Plenty of fish, sniffies, whatever you think. So now we're going to go on to a little segment. I'm going to name some pop culture events mm-hmm. and then I'm going to name some drag race related events. And you just tell me what era were they in at the, in that moment? Okay. 2007 when Britney shaved her head and fought back against the paparazzi. Ooh, chaotic era. Just chaotic era? It was just given the whole vibe was given chaotic era because the media was paying her to be one way and some other shit was happening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I feel her. I, I, I vibe with her. It's given chaotic era. Like, there's just so much chaos going on, you just gotta do what you gotta do to mm-hmm. feel better. She definitely fought fire with fire, and we love her for it. Yeah, shout out to Brittany. Whenever the creator of Flappy Bird pulled it from the app store when it was at its peak, what era was he in? Depression era. Depression I, era? Yes. Have you, you, have, I saw a documentary about that, and it's so sad. He was in his depression era. <laughs> he was. Whenever Kendall Jenner ended hate by giving a cop a Pepsi in that commercial, and everyone oh clapped. God. 
What era was she in? The our disaster era. <laughs> Down. What a time. It's it's crazy to look back and realize that like, that was real. That really happened. There's definitely some things that happen and you're just like, this could be like mm. just completely made up. Like, yeah. We're in our incorrect timeline era, but you know. Whenever Beyonce drops a whole ass album with no announcement. Oh, secretive era. Secretive? <laughs> I feel like I feel like Beyonce's always like that though. Mm-hmm. I don't want to speak too much because that's a very close person Yeah, I understand. Exactly. You and Miss Knowles, you go back. So now we're going to talk about some Drag Race-related events. Tell me what era these people were in. Whenever Shangela spontaneously created Drag Race's most iconic monologue regarding having a sugar daddy. Ooh, cocktail era. <laughs> I mean, probably. So she said. Yeah, like, that's yeah, a different time. Before they started moderating the drinks a little closer. Whenever Rue made everyone except Deja lip sync on season 14 for bombing Snatch Game. What era was Rue in? She was in her Chubby Chaser era because she didn't want Deja to like work up a sweat. She was like, sit your fat ass down. Whenever Gia Gunn tweeted that there was no glamour at DragCon. Honest era. Honest era. Honest? Yeah, she ate. I was at that DragCon. She was at- Colonel dress? You can't tell me. Listen, it wasn't glamour. I'll just say this: Gia comments on all my pictures, and she loves me. I must like be bringing glamour back. Well, this is villain supporting villains. That's all that is. I said my picture, not luxury. <laughs> no, sweetheart era. All right. You know, seasons can have more than one villain. You know that, right? Yeah, but why would I be a villain? Because you're nefarious. Give me three villainous moments of mine quickly. Quickly. Three when, villainous. Whenever moments. you came for Lucy. Who is that? That's that's the second one right there, and then third, you were plus size. Existing as a plus size person, that's an automatic strike. Three strikes, you're the villain. Moving on. No, oh my god, the funniest thing ever is so. Oh my god, I don't even want to tell the story because it's gonna get the fans out up. So when we went and filmed um, What You're Packing, mm-hmm. and we did the promo in the same week, so we haven't seen the show yet, and we really have like when we all got back from Drag Race, our group chat was like silent as fuck. Nobody was because you don't like each other. No, no literally, nobody was <laughs> like each other, and like everyone was doing their feelings. And I remember we saw Willow, and Willow told uh-huh. everyone she was like, "Oh, they were not fucking with each other." So right before we met Willow, after we filmed much of packing, mm-hmm. I had just got through cussing everyone out at the bar. So we went and ate dinner like as a cast, and I like I had a, I had, like went like crazy on them because during much uh-huh. of packing, everyone came back from from filming everything, and everyone was like, "Oh yeah, I said you're gonna be the villain," and I was like, "Okay." And then everyone was like, yeah, like, I just said, you're a bitch. And, like, it's just X, Y, and Z. And I remember in my head, I was like, but you're a... Okay. And then I just had to, like, gather the girls. I had, like, a mental breakdown. I feel like a lot of the production and the editing and the way stuff went, like, the season may not have been the best, but I feel like the drama of it... Why do you mean this? It was a drama of it. They cut half your shit. They fucked you over on the edit. The cast didn't get along. It was just butting heads. But because of that, it's one of the most iconic seasons because everyone doesn't like each other. The group chats are silent. My that season, was before. my season, even the people that hated each other are best friends. Mine's the kumbaya season. My season's the one that people go back when they're in therapy as like a comfort season. Uh-huh. Your season's whenever they need to work out some demons. Look, that was it's like I'm, I hate my dad, but I'm gonna go watch season fifteen so I know that it could be worse. Like that's y'all season. That was before. Now we like I'm not even being funny. Now there's like no beef. And like when the show started airing, I feel like everyone chilled out and like everyone like. They're like, I think that's why the reunion was kind of boring. Is it just a no beef, or is like you actually friends? No, I think we're all actually friends. Like, I mean, we all see each other when we perform. Huh. Like, every time we're all in the same area, we like extend our stays, and like, we really all get along. Really, 
I'm gonna start asking whenever whenever the season 15 girls keep coming through Piranha. Get, I'm wait till they get drunk and ask them like, how do you really feel? We'll we'll see what the truth he is. I mean, that was the funny thing too because like I don't want to give too much production stuff, but at the reunion, like I feel like they were like grasping at straws, like mm-hmm. to see if anyone had beef, and like we had kind of like all worked it out. Yeah, it's it really just season 15 versus production at that no. point. I mean, that's all. That, that's not even tea. You saw all the questions they were asking. So, I mean, it is what it is. But I love all my sisters, and season 15 is definitely a memorable. She's in her congenial era. So, the last one, speaking of villains, it's not you this time. What era was she in when Lux gave a TED talk to justify why Lucy should go home? She was in her truthful era. That was her truth. My sister said what she had to say. Mm-hmm. Now, if I was Lucy, I would have turned around and read the fuck out of her. But she didn't because she was in her what era? She was in her depression era, too. Oh. I think that just really got to her. Full-on Flappy Bird, just... You know, Lucy... I feel like Lucy should have turned around and read her. She should have let loose. She should have. The thing is, with Lucy, I know she has it in her. But unfortunately, that's the end of my cards and the last bit of time we have before we rush you off to your next show. Mm -hmm. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Where can the people find you? What do you have going on? Where do you, can they find your merch, your shows, etc.? Everything is at mistressisabelle.com. Buy my shirt, see my tour dates, um, book a cameo if you want a personalized video for me. Follow me across all social media to look up Mistress Isabel Brooks. Um, you know, I'm the most followed girl from my season on Twitter. I act a damn fool. I do my legendary Twitter spaces. Mm-hmm. I have a podcast coming soon. I have my tour with the twins coming up in November. Come catch me on Work the World. And most importantly, go subscribe to my YouTube channel, bitch, because I'm about to um, mm-hmm. start my influencer channel. She's in her booked and busy era at the moment. Yeah, thank you all so much for tuning in. Tune in next time whenever we have somebody else. And yeah, till then. Bye, guys. Give It To Me Straight is brought to you by Moguls of Media, a.k.a. Mom. Hosted, produced, and edited by me, Maddie Morphosis. With audio editor, Marco Padilla. And executive produced by Willem Belly, Alaska Thunderfuck, Big Dipper, and Joe Cilio. M. Oh. M. Mom!